All right, here we go. The podcast with Pastor Dorian Cass. What up, dope? Justin, what's happening, baby? My man, what's up, what's up? Oh, nothing much, man. We got a nice little rhythm going here. Yeah. A few weeks in a row, we've been able to make it happen. We back rocking and rolling. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All you faithful listeners who are getting on us about that. So you're welcome. We're man. back. And you can thank stop you. talking about us. <laughs> yeah, keep listening. Keep liking. Keep sharing. We've got some recent reviews and five-star ratings adding to the iTunes. It's bumping up more and more. When I search us, it, all the right people come up with our podcast. You okay. know, Like it shows up with... Uh, Elevation Church, All Stephen right. Furtick, Joel Osteen, Purpose Driven Life. Oh Lord, I don't know if that's the company, but well, you know, as I'll far as what if you were searching for something of our nature, yeah, you know, those are the big names that are going to come up first. <laughs> we'll get we'll get on top of them. Though. Okay. Right. But yeah, folks, thanks again. Uh, keep liking, keep sharing, and feel free to put comments again in the sections like when we make the posts on uh, the Facebooks and the IGs because that also creates the conversations for us. Again, start sending the user questions because right now it's one of our most popular episodes and uh, we're going to be doing another one eventually. So keep sending. Now, Pastor Dorian, uh, here today, We've been kind of hinting and teasing at this uh, conversation I want to have here with you today for mm-hmm. quite some time, okay. even before we ever did one single episode. Um, I mean, like since day one. And now with us having recently done the episode on multicultural churches and racism and as it mm-hmm. relates to religion, I think this is a great time to kind of transition into a subject that maybe not parallels those, but falls right into play with them as far as uh, church. Sure. And uh, really the different models of church. Okay, yeah. And uh, ultimately, I want to get to this new model of church that's popping up more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And you've talked about it and alluded to it on Sundays. And just, I really want to kind of get your first, just your initial thoughts and opinions on the new model church, or as it's generally being called, the quote symbols, seeker sensitive church. Sure. And, you know, what do you think towards that? Sure. So, um, yeah, this definitely is a conversation we talked about having um, before we even recorded a single episode. And um, I've, I've been alluding to in, in recent episodes um, different strategies people have for building churches and growing churches. Rather. Yes. And one of the, the, the um, types of models, um, and again, I don't want to get too far in the weeds, but one of the models or strategies for church growth and growing the body of Christ is referred to as a seeker sensitive model. Um, if you've never heard that model before or heard that phrase before, you've definitely been exposed to some of the concepts of it because many mega churches, large churches with popular or famous pastors, definitely mm-hmm. um, more in the white space than black, but that's changing, um, would fall into the category of seeker sensitive. And all seeker sensitive church models are. What that means is, is they are sensitive to the seeking person as opposed to being focused on the person that's already a believer and already a member of a church. So they, Mm -hmm. they structure their church service, they structure their building, they structure how they do church and everything about the experience of coming to church to appeal to the unchurched, the unsaved, the lost that are looking and Mm -hmm. they want to make that experience as comfortable Mm-hmm. to the seeker seeker as possible in hopes that their comfort would put them in a better position to hear and receive the gospel okay. of Jesus Christ. 
So could you just give a few examples of what that looks like, that like the way that model looks as far as making it comfortable for them? Sure. So there, there's a lot of things you see where people don't dress up for church anymore, right? <laughs> okay. So you'll see everybody dressed down and the pastor in jeans and, and a jacket, um, a coffee shop out front and they're drinking coffee mm-hmm. inside. A lot of the, the, the um, darker uh, sanctuaries and with the lights and things because that correlates more with experiences unchurched people have had that looks more like a concert than a cathedral with stained glass like that's uncomfortable that's somewhere they've never been before right Mm -hmm. um that's when you see really heavy on welcoming people in and not using real heavy scriptural jargon and church language in a service and and Mm -hmm. things of that nature uh and i could go deeper but it's a it's a lot of those things surface level you see that would imply someone is employing a seeker sensitive church model okay so uh that being said so like this popular model and things like this like mm-hmm. uh what are some of the benefits to it and like you know why exactly you know it seems like it's doing well why does it exist sure so um it absolutely is doing well and most of your fastest growing churches right these days are um employing this secret sensitive model one of the biggest reasons it exists and why it is the kind of church that grows is because it is ahead of the curve and understanding the fact that millennials um, uh, and Generation Y are a largely unchurched mm-hmm. generation, meaning they've never been to church before. And if they've been, it's been once, maybe for a funeral or a wedding, but they've never been regular church attenders. And that's like the first time. These are the first generations that large majorities of them would have never spent time in church. And so much about the way we do church and more traditional models like LAM Mm-hmm. assumes that people have been to church before. Like if you ever t- stop and take a step back um, the next time you're in church, consider how many things happen during the course of the service where we stand up, sit down, um, where we sit, what we do next. We all just do it assuming everybody is supposed to know what happens. Or if you think about if you've never been in a church before and you walked into LAM service mm-hmm. on a Sunday morning, what would you be thinking? Right. You wouldn't necessarily know um, what I'm talking about. Or even as a preacher, the yeah. times I say, you all know the story of David. The time. And many millennials in Generation Y, they were like, no, Pastor, we don't know the story of David. Before you start, <laughs> who that? Who, exactly. Before you start screaming and spitting about how great David was, you have to stop and tell us the story of David mm-hmm. first. And, and what they do in realizing that so many people are unchurched. They don't take anything for granted. Mm-hmm. They explain. They make things easy. They make things comfortable. So if it's your first time, you can still be open because what we know is if you're uncomfortable, if you got lost on the way in, right. if you didn't know where you were supposed to sit, when it's offering time, everybody's getting up, they're walking around. Should I take my coat? Should I leave my purse? What are we doing right now? Like it, it, when you're uncomfortable, you're not open. Mm-hmm. When you're lost, you're not listening. Right. right. It's right. like when you get lost in the car, you have to turn the radio down. Right. <laughs> Automatically. <laughs> Automatically is first thing you do. And I believe so much of traditional church, if it's an unchurched person that shows up, they're lost. They're yeah. lost in the service. They might be lost in the building. They're lost where to take their kids. They're lost where to park. And mm-hmm. when they're lost, the volume's down. So they're not hearing what's happening or they're not open to receive what happens. And if it was an uncomfortable experience, they may not. Yeah. So come they're back. They're checked out. Before yeah. they ever got a chance they're to check in. They're checked out 
and 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 again being made uncomfortable people don't choose to be made uncomfortable very often so if that was an uncomfortable experience i might not be willing to come back so <laughs> the secret sensitive model addresses okay. that so that's one of the main okay uh, benefits of it so um, and then um it, i mean ultimately sounds like it's a pretty good thing that app that that, that, that 100% is um there's a book by uh, a, a pastor he's got a huge church in Atlanta or in the Atlanta area. Um, his name is Andy Stanley. His dad is Charles Stanley. If mm-hmm. you watch, you know, church on TV at all, you've probably seen his dad. He's okay. a really older, tall, slim, white gentleman. His church is big. It's a okay. lot of brown wood. Everything. Charles Stanley, he's great. His son, Andy Stanley, has started churches in the Atlanta area that are massive. And he is one of the proponents of this secret sensitive model. It's a book. It's called Deep and Wide. That's mm-hmm. almost a handbook on how you look at your ministry. And here's the key. And what another thing that I think it's beneficial is you turn the lens. So much of what we do in church is focused on those of us who are already here. Mm-hmm. We only think about ourselves. We mm-hmm. only think about the songs we like. We only think about what makes us comfortable, what makes us feel good. And we are so inward focused. Mm-hmm. We don't even have time to think about the person that does not go to our church or that's never been to our church before. Um, uh, so it's great at turning the lens from this inward focus of those of us who already have the gospel mm-hmm. to winning souls. It's not yeah. about us coming to church to have a good time. It's about us having uh, a service that's effective at winning souls. Right. Yeah. So that, that that's why that's huge is inherent in the model. It says the lens isn't on us. It's not inward focused. It's outward focused. And there's a couple of benefits to that. Number one is um, it creates a high level of intentionality. Okay. So you have to ask questions. And and, and LAM, we do a good job of this, um, especially for a church that does generally employ what would be referred to as a traditional model of asking the question, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Of everything, like why are we having people sit here? Why are we ushering them in this way? Why are we ordering our service this way? And the secret sensitive model makes you very intentional about everything you do. Mm -hmm. Deep and wide, it talks about all the way down to signage, about where people park. Like we do things like if you're a volunteer or you go here and you get here early and you work, serve, you park around the back here at LAM. We're like, we don't want if somebody's first time here and they got to drive all the way around to the back of church and go in a different entrance that's not obvious. So those of us, we know our way around here, we'll park in the back. But if you don't ask questions about why you do what you do, you'll be rushing to get to church early so you can take all the spots up front and leave your visitors to be parking way in the back and lost where this makes you be intentional about everything you do. And here's. What's wonderful about that is if you're ever going to offer God worship, you're going to do so intentionally. Mm-hmm. And you're going to, because if you look at the Old Testament law and even when they had to bring sacrifices, there was yeah. so much detail right. and specificity that you couldn't make a mistake and offer God something that wasn't, you know, that was pleasing to him. You had to be intentional. You had to look yeah. over your sacrifices. Like right? it's, uh, I don't know what book it is, but there's like an entire book on how God told the Israelites to build the church in the in the uh, wilderness, like oh, yeah. brick Every, by brick, stone by stone. He gives complete and utter all sp- sorts of specific directions, all the way down to if you're going to offer me a lamb, it has to be without spot yes. or blemish. And guess what that means you have to do? 
you have to stop and check your entire sacrifice before you bring it. Right. Like we take it for granted, it has to be without spot or blemish. That means you have to look over that whole lamb right. before you bring it. And the seeker sensitive model makes you look over your whole service before you offer it. Mm-hmm. And, it and I think it creates an extremely high level of of worship mm-hmm. or it can create a high level of worship through intentionality mm-hmm. and you won't be starting 20 minutes late and you know and and singing a song that's not in key because us church folks we can put up with it, <laughs> right you know we, we i'm gonna keep coming back if you start late i'll come back again so the intentionality is great and then the other thing that the secret sensitive model does is it puts people who join to work almost immediately as soon as you receive the gospel and whatever definition they have of being saved, (laughs) they immediately turn the lens and say, you're in now work on bringing more people in. Right. And it puts people to work immediately at growing the body of Christ. Even if it's just being a greeter and holding a sign in the parking lot saying you belong here or this way to the children's ministry. And the wonderful thing about that is traditional church models. Mm -hmm. A few people work and the vast majority of everyone else is there to just eat. Okay. They come like we and we we put a great church service together because I'm coming to eat. I'm coming to get my word. I'm coming to sure. get full. And it's only a few of us that actually work. Well, that's what the Bible said was going to happen, right? The harvest is right, but the laborers are few. Right. But here's the. the but even more so, the, I'm this, not giving y'all excuses not to work. Y'all need no, to come to but, church but, and work. But this is what we. This is what we don't know is the reason why it's wonderful to turn the lens and focus on being the one that feeds people. Mm-hmm. instead of the one being fed mm-hmm. is feeding people is how you actually get fed. The story of Jesus, when he meets the woman at the well, Jesus stops there because he's hungry and tired. It's one of the most human moments. Jesus has, you know, he's human. Uh, he's a man, mm-hmm. though he's the son of God. And there's these moments where we get glimpses into his humanity. And the story of Jesus meeting the woman at the well gives us a glimpse into Jesus's humanity because he is hungry right. and tired so hungry and tired that he has to stop and have a seat while the disciples go ahead to go get food. Right, right. The right. whole interaction happens because Jesus, the savior of the world, the one who was and is and is to come was tired and hungry, hey. right? Uh-huh. And the woman comes and that's when Jesus asks her for a drink. Um, we don't right. have time for me to give the whole story, but you know, giving, the story. Uh, you know, the story. Exactly. <laughs> I'm saying I'm giving a secret sensitive model of this. I have to tell the story, right? I can yeah. assume, you know, the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. Jesus asked the woman for a drink. Right. And, and, and she said, you shouldn't be talking to me. Jesus said, if you knew who you were talking to, you would be asking me for a drink. Right. So Jesus begins ministering to her. He tells her and prophesies to her so much so that she goes and runs and grabs town people and say, I have met the Messiah, the one we're looking for. When Jesus's disciples show back up with the food, right? they see Jesus up talking, ministering. He's got a crowd. And when they left him, he was hungry and tired. Right. They say to themselves, somebody must have brought Jesus some food. <laughs> and Jesus says, I have meat that you know not of. And again, being carnal, they still think, oh, somebody snuck him a sandwich. (laughs) And what Jesus says to them is my meat, what feeds me Mm -hmm. is to do the will of my father. So what you don't, what most people in church miss, they think coming to get your word is how you get fed, but take it from the preacher. You will never get fed like you get fed when your intent is to feed somebody else. I chew on the word and I eat it. 
and I get full off of it before it's ever time to deliver it to someone. But my intent is to feed people. So the secret sensitive model, I think, does a good job of turning that lens and turning people into feeders rather than just takers. So I think that's another good. Okay. That's a, that's a real good takeaway on that then. Um, <clears throat> so ultimately, you know, one of the other big models I was seeing with these uh, sinker sensitive and you kind of alluded mm-hmm. to it is, uh, like you say, they get workers and they turn them into workers. And it's like this ultimate recruitment train yeah. pipeline because yeah. they're trying to win souls for Christ. Yes. So, I mean, I mean, it's checking a lot of boxes. It does. This is, is it, it can. But I have to ask the question. Yeah. It seems like it's also got a real gray, sensitive, dangerous line as to where it could fall into some other traps, like with the multicultural church. Like we mm-hmm. talked about, it's a great concept of well, there was no nation and we were all supposed to be one, mm-hmm. but the dangers in that. Sure. So what are some of maybe the dangers or traps of this secret sensitive or this new model of church that we're kind of talking about now? So, um, gosh, one, so... As you can imagine, I'm not, I didn't want to talk about this just because I wanted to talk about how great it was. Right? <laughs> <laughs> if you know Justin and I well enough, you had to know uh, that there was more. The, the plot thickens. Yeah, that there was more coming. But um, so one of the things that's challenging to me about the seeker sensitive model is that it remains seeker sensitive, period. Now, it's it's one thing to have services. We used to call them back in the day evangelistic services where we would, you know, um, have church out in the parking lot so everybody could hear us and they yeah, come yeah, yeah. And, and visit. But it's another thing for the entirety of your church experience to remain focused on the seeker, mm-hmm. because what it does is uh, uh, what I say is the seeker sensitive model turns into the convenience model. Okay. Um, that church has to remain convenient because for a seeker that has not been saved, that has not made Jesus the Lord of their life, um, church does need to be convenient. Otherwise, they wouldn't choose it, you mm-hmm. know, or otherwise they may never visit. They wouldn't sample it. Right. Because you talked convenient. about the comfort. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So um, but the challenge with that is when you remain convenient, mm-hmm. what about the people that have been there and are now Jesus is quote unquote, the Lord of their life mm-hmm. and their church still always acquiesces to their schedule sure. and to their desires and to what's easy to them, man, that could create some, yeah, some challenges. I don't know why I feel like you was taking a shot when you said, quote unquote, Jesus is the Lord of their life. Like no. you're taking a shot at some <laughs> particular church. No, but. no, actually I wasn't. I wasn't because I say, quote unquote, Jesus is the Lord of your life because He's either Lord or he's nothing. And people uh, call him he, people call him Lord. Sure. But he is not actually master of their life. Okay. He's not actually the ruler of their life. You can't call him your Lord unless he's actually the ruler of your life. And I say mm-hmm. quote unquote because the one of the challenges of the seeker sensitive model is uh is what they what they rely on to get the job done. And what they appeal, what they're appealing to in people. So um, many of them rely on their strategy to win people, as mm-hmm. opposed to the spirit winning people. Okay. So like they rely on. on they rely on the service being enticing, the singing being good, the preacher's mm-hmm. message being funny, and the pastor looking cool. And they yeah. rely on those their strategy because it's very intentional, right? right? Everything that they do is intentional. 
Absolutely. But, um, but they rely very heavily on their strategy and they don't leave room for the spirit mm-hmm. to have its work. So then if I'm going to, my strategy and the natural work of my ministry has to do the work, that means I have to appeal to the natural man in you. Mm-hmm. So now my message can't be one that spirit filled. My message has to be one that appeals to the seeker. He doesn't have the spirit. So I got to talk about marriage. Mm-hmm. I got to talk about friendship. I got to mm-hmm. talk about relationships. I got to talk about work. I have to talk about fulfillment because I have to make this make sense to the seeker. But the problem is nothing is inherently wrong right, with those things. But none of those things are the reason why Jesus needs to become Lord of your life. Okay. You get saved because you are a sinner in need of salvation. All those things get added after, but none of those things are the reason to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And it's a subtle thing that can happen that I got to keep appealing to your natural man to make you want to come back. And mm-hmm. I know people that have visited church like, oh, it was such a great series on marriage. I just feel like I need to come back. And I felt like I got spoken to. But you don't get Jesus to get a better marriage. You get Jesus to get saved. But you need Jesus to have a better marriage. Well, some people have good marriage without <laughs> Jesus. So that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, but well. some people do. But that's but that's not the reason you make him your savior. That's right, the reason right, you right. can make him your marriage counselor. Sure. That's the reason you can make him your friend. That's, you know, there's a lot of good reasons to be in relationship with Jesus, but there's only one reason to make him your Lord. Okay. And that is receiving the actual gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of secret sensitive models don't do that. Okay. So <clears throat> you're saying that they're keeping that secret sensitive, uh, kind of model and convenient way of talking to their, yeah. uh, parishioners because they're fearful of, at the end of the day, like we've we've trapped them in here with this great, wonderful feeling. We don't want to scare them away. We don't want to scare them away. We want them to be able to understand why it's beneficial to them because they may run away if I say you're on your way to hell if thus you get saved. Mm-hmm. Because I have to be sensitive to how they... That. Now, for church people or people that grew up in church or that at least have gone to church a lot of time, like mm-hmm. th- we understand that that's a part of this. Even if... Before I got the Holy Ghost, I knew, hey, I don't get the Holy Ghost. I'm on my way to hell. Like that's, a, that's I don't get offended when somebody says that. But if yeah. you think of a 35-year-old person going to church for the first time, the pastor gets up and says, if you don't receive Jesus as your Savior, let him fill you with your spirit. You're on your way to hell to burn for eternity. It's like, get me out of here. And that's what the world tells them we're saying in here anyways. And we're just condemning them, right? Well, I mean, the, the secret sensitive model almost deals with the blank slate. It's not yeah. trying to necessarily. There are some okay. churches that are on the extreme end of that that are trying to right the wrongs. But it's like, hey, you don't necessarily have an opinion. You're here because you're, you're evidently interested enough to come mm-hmm. and see about it. Um, The other piece about it being secret sensitive is things like how long the service is. Okay. Um. When the service is, it ha- they have like a lot of these secret sensitive churches. You'll see they have like six services on the weekends, on Saturday okay. and Sunday. Where are because- these churches at? I'm just kidding. <laughs> and they stream like live stream. So no matter what your schedule is, yeah, there is a service time that is convenient, okay, for you, and you won't have to stay in service too long, so you can make it to the rest of your, okay, appointments. So I mean. Again, that doesn't sound like too bad of a thing, like convenience and, you know, being able to conveniently attend church because I have a very busy schedule myself personally, and I do what I do to get here as much as I possibly can, but there are times I cannot make it. 
Sure. And I definitely stream services yeah. of other churches when I'm not able to make it so I can get some feeling of something. Absolutely. So, you know, like, I, I feel like there's like, a like you're maybe alluding to something that's even like, per se, like the convenience becomes dangerous. The convenience become, can or, become. I don't know if that's the right word. So that's why I said, quote unquote, the Lord of your life, because mm-hmm. um, uh, the scriptures, you can't actually serve Jesus if he has to be convenient. Mm-hmm. If your service to him and your engagement with him has to happen at convenient times, because mm-hmm. um, masters don't care about your schedule. <laughs> if I'm if right. I'm if I'm your Lord, I don't care about soccer practice. Mm. It's it's my will and my purpose has to be preeminent. Like Colossians, it's one mm-hmm. of my favorite scriptures. Um, Colossians chapter number one. Um, uh, talks about Jesus in verse 16 says for by him were all things created that are in heaven that are in earth visible and invisible whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created by him and for him and he is before all things and by him all things consist and he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have the preeminence mm-hmm when we constantly shift our schedules mm. or shift the church around our schedule, it is impossible to honor Jesus as the preeminent one. Mm. It is impossible to say he is above all. He is before all. If I can't have my service unless it doesn't get in the way of your schedule. If Jesus is preeminent, he doesn't move. That means we have to move around him. But in so many of these secret sensitive convenience model, Jesus always has to move around our schedule and he never gets put in his proper position in our lives because he has to acquiesce to what mm-hmm. my schedule says. So I'm sorry, Jesus, you got to get six o'clock on Saturday because Sunday morning we have soccer practice. Mm-hmm. Or I'm sorry, Jesus, you got to get the Wednesday night service because Sundays I go golfing. How in the world can he be preeminent if he never has to be first? And I'm not saying that there shouldn't be things you do to make things more convenient, but the whole of your ministry can't be designed around convenience that your life group has to happen in your neighborhood and be centered around a hobby or an interest you already have. Like there has to be a cooking life group. Like they that, that that's part of the <laughs> yeah. secret sensitive models. Their life groups right. are structured around your hobbies and interests so all of us who like so i can get a golf ministry you get a note absolutely all of us who like pottery we you know and i'm not saying it's completely wrong but it can't always have to be centered around where if you like pottery we're going to get together and do pottery and then talk scriptures wait so it has to have pottery in order for me to come and talk scriptures Mm-hmm. It, it it removes Jesus from being the preeminent one. And the other piece is this. It doesn't create a disciple. It doesn't create formation in people. So I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole, but it's a, a wonderful book by an author, uh, uh, James Smith, and it's called You Are What You Love. Okay. And one of the main things we understand about the disciplines and how church is supposed to work is it's supposed to be creating. It's supposed to be forming us, mm-hmm. turning us into something. And one of the main things it's supposed to change is what we love. Um, human beings tend to believe we are what we know mm-hmm. or we are what you think you think therefore you sure you it's know, a very... I think therefore I am right right we make mistakes we say I gotta learn I gotta educate myself I need to you know so I can know better sure I should have known better when we make mistakes right right where 
where the author of this book, um, he argues that it's not what we know, it's what we love that really drives our mm-hmm. behaviors, our decision making. And we and if you take a second and read the book, you'll see so much of our life is driven by what we desire, what we want to have. And church isn't designed just so you can know something different. It's designed to make you want something different. Mm-hmm. It's designed to make you love something different. Jesus' first questions to the disciples aren't, what do you know? <laughs> it was, what do you want? Right. There's right. the first thing he turns around and asks them when John the Baptist points to Jesus and they say, are you the Messiah? Jesus says, what do you want? Right. Like, what do you what? And church is supposed to design to give us a different vision for what the good life is. But mm-hmm. what happens with the secret sensitive model is church fits into your already planned desire for the good life. Right. So if how you design your life to be good church has to fit into that. So you get to keep your plan and desire for a good life instead of church forcing you to consider the definition of what good looks like in a different way. And we are genuinely transformed. Church transforms you, not just when the scriptures get in your mind, Mm -hmm. but when it gets in your heart and you de- you genuinely desire something different. You love something different. And convenient church, it does not get at your heart or what you desire and you love. It supports what you desire. Okay. It fits in with what you desire. Mm. Oh, that seems like such a great spot. Just thinking about it like because it's like it the thing you love is supported by Jesus. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it seems like that would be a really good warm fuzzy feeling. Absolutely. That's why I said when you do series on marriages, it's like you desire a better marriage. Who could complain about a church with a good marriage ministry? Nobody would. Nobody would. But if if you lead them with marriage ministry and not with the gospel, you're going to have some trouble. Mm. Okay. So do you have, uh, uh, let's say, a way in which you would, because like we hear the positives and we hear the dangerous. It's, It's a lot on both sides. Do you have kind of like your initial thoughts or ways in which you would kind of combine the two, you know, wade one out, wade this in and how you would kind of put a happy medium to that? Sure. So we've talked about a lot of things here, mm-hmm. um, even at LAM, um, that we do to consider the seeker uh-huh. and the lost. And there's very practical things that I don't care what your church model is like, you can do things like signs saying, here's the restroom. Here's where the children's ministry is signage and directions for people. (laughs) It's small things. Monumental. Are monumental. Telling people this is what small things like when people we churches have all these different names for offering. It's opportunity time. You know, like (laughs) where where you have to where you can do small things like explain. We're getting ready to take up our offering. This is the time where we give to the work of the ministry. And what's getting ready to happen is you're going to stand up and face the outer walls. Everybody's going to walk and you're going to walk by the baskets and give. And then you're going to go back to your seat explaining yeah. what what what's going to happen next. It's those things. It's things like we do for visitors. It's reserving parking spaces close yeah. for those that have never, never gone here before. Mm-hmm. It's little things and people don't like it, but it's. Saving some seats up front for people to get to church late. It's little things like that, right? (laughs) Greeters being warm, welcoming, and doing more than saying welcome to to LAM. It's 
is this your first time here? Can I show you to a seat? Can I show this is this is what's going on in service when you go in? This is what will be happening and this is what will be happening next. It's doing as much as we can to disarm people's fears and make them feel as comfortable um, as possible. So I'm not saying you have to change your whole model. And this is not an either or concept. Sure. Anybody can can do tweaks and make tweaks to their service or to their building um, to mm-hmm. make it more appealing to somebody that's yeah. never been church yeah, before. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, we kind of talked about this and I don't want to hearken and go down this road too long as part of this, but like we, we kind of were in this and like in 2019, how do you think like Jesus would design, build, do church? Man, that's an interesting question. Um, and I don't know because Jesus didn't talk a whole lot about building his church. He said, Peter, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Mm-hmm. But then Jesus didn't quite get around to building a church before he left. So <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> he laid a foundation for a church and mm-hmm. then it's us to us to build on that foundation. So Jesus really, Jesus really wasn't in it. Like, I don't know if he'd have a secret sensitive or a traditional model because Jesus, he, his, his earthly ministry, man, it vacillated wildly. He was very secret sensitive in terms of he, he hung out with publicans and sinners and he made a very, very inviting atmosphere mm-hmm. for sinners. They love to hang around Jesus. Right. But then he called them sick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I didn't right. come for those who were whole. I came for those yeah. who were sick. Or, yeah. you know, he'd heal the man at the pool of Bethesda and he'd say, hey, don't go and sin. Otherwise, something worse will happen to you. Like Jesus could turn up at the drop of a dime or he'd, right. he'd, he'd, he'd feed 5,000 people. So they follow him. Mm-hmm. And then he'd do the least secret sensitive thing in the world and say, oh, but if you're going to stay with me, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Time out, Jesus. If you ever want to talk about insider language, that's what you talk about in secret sensitive. It's using insider language jargon yeah. or we do it all the time at church. Yeah. That's the, that was the most insider language of all because Jesus and God in heaven were the only two that knew <laughs> that conversation what he yet. was talking about when he was saying, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Right. right so right. Jesus would make these wild swings of the pendulum, yeah. you know, in terms of being so secret sensitive that the religious people would be like, look at you, you're hanging out with publicans and sinners. And then Jesus would talk about cannibalism <laughs> And run people off. So um, I don't know, but here's it's this is the gift and the curse. Okay, the foundation is laid. Yeah, and that is the gospel. Jesus Christ has laid the foundation, and Paul says one man plants, another man's waters, but it's God that gives the increase. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately, he said, and as a wise master builder, I have to build. Mm. And then he says, but it's up to us to build the church out of whatever we would build. We could do it out of gold. Silver, wood, straw is up to you of whatever you want to build your church out of. He said, but here's what is going to happen. Why you ought to consider what you're building your church out of, because it's going to be made manifest, meaning whether it's built out of the right stuff, it's going to come. It's going to become apparent because fire is going to come and test what you're building. Mm. And if it survives the fire, you built well. If it didn't, you built it out of the wrong material. And 
hey, don't be too dismayed because the foundation is still there. Yeah. Like Jesus doesn't go anywhere and the gospel and its power doesn't go anywhere or your salvation doesn't go anywhere just because you may have built your church out of something that couldn't withstand the fire. But that's something that concerns me is I know I, I'm not certain if some of these models yeah. that are secret sensitive, that are convenient, that is very people focused and not Jesus focused, can they withstand fire? Mm-hmm. And can those people that have been involved in a church that's been so easy for them, yeah. that's been so convenient for them, can they withstand and still be there when fire and adversity shows up? I'm, 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 I, yeah. it's, it's, it's a concern sure. of mine. And it's a lot of them now. It is. Okay. Um, so with all of these things kind of being brought around and tackled and addressed and considered, what would you say for the people listening to this? Because we've got probably a, most of our listeners would be traditionalists. Sure. Um, but maybe not all. Hopefully not. Cause sure. I hope we have a diverse group. Mm-hmm. But the spiritual takeaway you would like for uh, people, I mean, our listeners to get this week. So two things. One I already alluded to. And, and, it's, and it's I want the listeners today, I want you to consider both sides of the coin. That the secret sensitive model, like when was the last time? Or do you see church and your service in church as being for the lost? When was the last time you invited somebody to church? church? When was the last time you saw somebody when was the first time at church and you went to them and made sure that they were comfortable and felt welcome and had a good seat and understood what was happening? I want all my listeners to turn the lens. Church isn't a place where you just come to get fed. It is a place where you have an opportunity to serve and make sure others are getting fed. And I promise you, God, you have access to miracles when you are the one doing the feeding that you otherwise wouldn't have access to. So number one, turn the lens. Mm -hmm. I need you to be sensitive to those that are seeking and we need to make our churches places that are uh, uh, receptive to those that are lost, who are unchurched because we have a generation to reach that has never been to church before. The other side of the coin is this is for those. And you may be on this podcast. And if you remember LAM, I'm rebuking you right now if you're out searching for a new church. <laughs> but who knows what time may do or, you know, or if you're listening and you're looking potentially for a new church, convenient, secret sensitive churches are very, very attractive because mm-hmm. there will be a sermon, a, a, a sermon series that fits exactly with what you're trying to accomplish. There will be a service time and a church location because they got six locations that is close to your house and fits right with your schedule. And you can make it to your golf outing and you can work all your hours and still do the church. But this is my concern is when I talked about the benefit of, of, of secret sensitive churches, intentional is involved in worship. There is a key item in worship Uh and that is sacrifice and the type of church and church is an opportunity for us to offer God the sacrifice of praise. It is an opportunity for us to present ourselves a living sacrifice. And if your church and your engagement with ministry never requires a sacrifice for you, you never have to move your schedule. You never have to deny yourself. You can always have you, your desires, your plan, and God, you're not worshiping. I think it's an interesting dichotomy that out of many of these secret sensitive churches have arisen this new worship culture mm. where you get the Bethels, you get the hill songs, you get the elevation worship. Like they're they're really big on this singing worship 
yeah. uh, culture, but it may lack a sacrificial worship. And it is not worship unless it's, unless it's sacrificial. David had grieved God by taking a census. I don't want to get too far in the weeds, but he needed to offer God a sacrifice mm-hmm. in order to make atonement for what he'd done. And there was a gentleman there that he was King David. He needed to build God a threshing floor. And the man said, I'll give you the material. You're David. Right, and right. David said, I'll never give God anything that doesn't cost me something. Mm. So even though he could have got the material for free, he still paid because mm-hmm. it does not do God honor if it doesn't cost you something. So you have to see your service in church. I know sometimes it gets hard working in church. It gets difficult, but this is the place where you create a sacrifice that's worthy of worshiping God. And if you're going to worship God, you have to be the sacrifice. I hear Abraham and Isaac headed up the mountain <laughs> and they asked them where they were going, Justin. And yeah, Abraham yeah. said, we are going to worship and we're going to worship because Isaac is a sacrifice and yeah. you ain't worshiping God unless you have an altar you got to lay down on. Mm. And, and so much of our modern day church never requires us to lay down on the altar and you never, you don't get the ram in the bush until you lay down on the altar. I can see Isaac lying down on that altar. You don't get the ram until you're willing to lie down. And church and service and working in church is an altar that we build for us to lie down on. Mm -hmm. So then God can tell you to get up. See, this is the thing about secret sensitive model. We say God isn't going to kill Isaac. So why does he even have to lay down? God Mm -hmm. isn't going to make your life terrible. So why would we do something that's going to make your life terrible? No, let's just be nice out of the gate. But I come to tell you, it says something about you and your relationship with God when you're willing to lay down your life. Lay down your desires, your will, your plan. And if you're Isaac, you lay down on that altar you carried and built. You carry, you built it, you lie down on it. Then God gets you up and gives you a ram out of the bush. And so don't get weary in your well-doing when you're working hard in church or when your church is one that requires you to be late or have to leave work early or you miss a kid's game, you know, or miss a party. Oh, you're lying down on an altar and God is sending a blessing your way because of it. Okay. I like it. All right, though. That was, that was fire on the altar, <laughs> right? <laughs> on the altar. Yeah. Well, speaking of storms and fire and God oh, bringing Lord. on things, I thought we would have a little fun with our pastor this oh, week. Lord. Uh, there's this uh, storm going on. It's a brewing down south. Uh, it's called Hurricane Dorian. Oh, boy. <laughs> Can I tell you, I have heard nothing but Hurricane Dorian. I myself jokes. started with the Hurricane Dorian joke thinking Justin was, and apparently it's been a few. Every here's the, the crazy part. Everybody thinks it's very original. <laughs> okay. That they make a Hurricane Dorian I thought I was joke. Getting it in Justin early. thought he was too, but yep. from the moment the tropical storm Dorian was yes. announced, the jokes started flying. People were sticking signs on my the door of my office at work. <laughs> I can't my phone was blowing up. I got a couple text messages just even over the course of my conversation with Justin today of people <laughs> making Hurricane uh, Dorian jokes. So, unfortunately, yes. you are not original nope. if you sent me a Hurricane Dorian joke. That being said, folks, keep them coming. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's a serious storm oh, that is I impacting know. people's lives it and is. they want to make a joke they are. of it. 
Yeah. So what would you say were like is the best ones you've got so far? Maybe top three or if you want to just go uh, to the top man. one. Most of them are the same. You yeah. know, definitely the ones with the hurricane wash, washing the bricks of cocaine up oh, on, the, yeah. on the beach. So it's like Dorian's washing cocaine up <laughs> on the beach, you know. So people thought that that was actually pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, but of yeah. course, you know, my crazy brother-in-law, Deacon John Hill, had the funniest one. Oh, God. When the hurricane was say? slow moving and it was spending a long time over the Bahamas. Yeah. He's talking about, uh, it's Hurricane Dorian. I thought it was supposed to be short. <laughs> <laughs> I had to laugh. Man, we gonna this do is crazy, that, man. man. This Dorian is supposed to be short, man. Why is this fitting? So I thought that was actually pretty oh, funny. Man. So, um, but so, yeah, yes, I, hopefully so, people yeah. are safe. We're that praying for those said, who are impacted. Um, and hopefully the Hurricane Dorian jokes will stop. Passing. Yes, this too pretty shall soon. come to pass. <laughs> Doe, once again, as always, appreciate Just, you, brother. Appreciate your family. <laughs>